I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Do I sound any different? (laughs) The past couple of episodes, as I mentioned in the intro, that I broke my microphone while traveling. So that was not good. So forgive me if you were like tuning into the podcast for the very first time and it didn't sound quite right during the intros. That is why I did not have a microphone while I was traveling because it broke. I was trying to be super careful and I took my microphone. I like put it in a sock. I wrapped it up in a bunch of clothes and I tucked it in between my clothes. I thought I was being so careful with the thing. And then I find it in my suitcase and it's broken. So it was my fault though. I left it plugged in the cable, plugged into the actual microphone and that snapped out and broke. So I couldn't connect my microphone to my laptop. So long story short, I have a new podcast mic. It's pretty wild. It's very large, but hopefully I sound amazing and that these intros sound so much better than the last couple. Forgive me for those. It's what happens when you travel, I guess. But speaking of travel, I am home now after four weeks of being away. Honestly, while I was gone for those four weeks, it seemed like they just flew by. But then once I got home, that's when I really realized like, whoa, it feels like I've been gone forever. It didn't feel like I was home for a really long time. So it took a little bit to get like, readjusted to things and whatnot, but I'm back in my office, sitting down, recording podcasts, and we actually have an amazing guest this week. It's Justin Janoska. If you are not following Justin yet on Instagram, that's where I first found him and his work. And he's one of those guys that I came across on Instagram and I was like, oh my gosh, how come I haven't been following him for years? It's just wild because he does mind body medicine. And if you know me, you know that that's exactly what I'm all about. So In today's episode, I have Justin on with me and we talk about his mind-body medicine approach to hormone health. So we sprinkle in some discussion about hypothalamic amenorrhea because I know that is a big topic 
on this podcast. And it's a topic that I really love focusing on because as you know, that's something that I dealt with for 12 years of my life. And in August, I got my period back for the very first time in 12 years. So if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, definitely go back and listen to those. So you're all caught up in all that I've been through over the past year. But I really wanted to have Justin on the show because what he does with his clients who have autoimmune disease or any type of hormone imbalance, he goes, he takes that holistic approach, the mind body approach, and he just does such amazing work. And some of my favorite topics that he covers are regarding macros or flexible dieting, if you will. And Justin actually is the author of The Flexible Dieting Disaster. So he gives us an awesome summary of his book in today's episode, and he goes through the exact steps that he guides his clients through when they are trying to move through and recover from autoimmune disease, hypothalamic amenorrhea, hormone imbalance, and there's that mind-body approach. It's going into the past and really reconnecting with even your child self. He talks a lot about that. So love, love, love this conversation today. And you ladies are going to love it as well. And I can't suggest this enough, but go follow him on Instagram. He's got great stuff. And also you can hop on Amazon to grab his book, The Flexible Dieting Disaster. It's my current read right now and I'm loving it. You're going to love it too. Okay. Enjoy this episode with Justin. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on with me today. I've been waiting for this. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So I believe that most of the women listening to this episode will know who you are or are familiar with your work. But for those that are just meeting you today, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hopefully not bad things. <laughs> you never know uh, what people associate me with these days. But um, yeah, so essentially, I have a company called the Autoimmune Revolution. And so my focus, obviously, hence the name, is focusing on chronic autoimmune diseases. And that also includes reproductive disorders like endometriosis, PCOS, hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, vulvodynia, whatever, things like that. Um, and, and so while I work on those most of the time, it also involves generally eating disorders and past issues and trauma and childhood, you know, stress and things like that, um, because it all bleeds into this stuff. So it's kind of like a cornucopia of various things that we do, but um, at the root of it all, it's autoimmune disease for women. And that is really what I'm passionate about the most. And it all started with my mom, just to give you an idea of why I do this. Cause people are like, why are you, why is this guy like talking about birth control? <laughs> and why does he care so much about this? 
Um, my mom is Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmune disease, and she wasn't getting any better with conventional medicine and tried for years and years and years. And when I went to grad school to, you know, honestly study alternative medicine for cancer, which, which is what I wanted to do, I decided to shift over to autoimmunity. And I was like, holy, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, there's so much that we don't know and we're in the dark about. So my mom was like my first client. And then when I saw that I could get her in remission and heal her, then I was like, I need to spread this around and show people the truth of it all. Cause we're kind of being brainwashed by doctors and other people out there. So, um, that's my purpose and what I do every day when I wake up. So that's amazing. And I love what you do. And just like the work you're doing, especially in terms with helping women like go into their past and really heal those past experiences and trauma, because I think that's so important for healing and not many practitioners do that type of work. No, I I think it's definitely a minority of people do that stuff. And I I don't know. I, I think that it's just something that gets ignored and is overlooked because maybe we don't know how and we're just lazy. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of guessing here, but you know, without a doubt, there are people that do this stuff, but it's, I think it's mostly focused on that. And, and what I do is I integrate that with everything else. And so the way I've kind of, you know, mapped this out for people is that a lot of us are spending time on the physiology, right? We're doing diet and supplements and medication and gut health, this liver stuff that, and, um, detox, whatever. So that's great and all, but if we ignore the psychology, right, all the things that we're dealing with, the emotions we're hanging on to and attached to, and ignoring the, bio- the biography, which is everything that pretty much got us to to this, this situation where we have disease and symptoms, well, we're never going to get out of this. And that's what I see a lot. And most of our clients have tried everything to no avail because they're just getting the physiology and we're ignoring the biography and the psychology. Hmm. And you have an amazing book as well, which I definitely wanted to talk about because what you talk about throughout the book is definitely like something that drew me into you and your work very quickly. And you talk a lot about um, like flexible dieting or counting macros. And I would love for you to share with my audience your take on that and how you see that. Yeah, totally. So the book is called The Flexible Dieting Disaster, Why Counting Macros is Destroying Your Relationship with Food and Yourself. And so that's just a very strong way of saying that macros is not literally, you know, uh, it doesn't have, it doesn't not have pitfalls and dangers. And that's my point with it. Like there are shortcomings with it. And it's been very evident with the a lot of the women I've spoken to over the years, five years or so, um, I have tons of emails and DMs from people. And a lot of people, I think, my belief is that a lot of people are, are in the dark and not vocalizing this stuff, which is why it's hard to grasp kind of the magnitude of it all and how pervasive it is in the industry. But I think a lot of women are young women. I mean, like 16, 15, maybe earlier to like mid-20s. Like it's kind of the ballpark age range, I think, where a lot of women like this are suffering. And don't have a way out. And so, and we're getting, you know, pummeled with different uh, bits of advice on, on what to do about it, but we don't really know how to stop it. And uh, you can't turn that macro switch off. You know, some people can, and, and 
my whole argument is that macros is not terrible. In and of itself, it is not the worst thing ever. It definitely is a very useful and effective tool. I've used it, my, you know, many women out there use it. But it's a problem if we can't, again, transition out of that and become a mindful and intuitive eater, which is some, you know, we're, we're kind of reinventing the wheel a little bit because this has been around for what, thousands and thousands of years. And, and uh, we're kind of <laughs> bringing it back as, it's, as if it's like a new concept when, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is something that we need to shift over into again, but it's very hard because we have different elements. And I talk about this in the book under what I call the tri-layer model of eating disorder and disordered eating development, which is essentially saying, and it's better if you look at it, but basically what I'm trying to point out here is that we have social media influencers, we have past trauma and things like, you know, abuse and neglect and abandonment, uh, bereavement, maybe, you know, loss, death. And we have really, you know, bad, um, (laughs) uneducated, uh, coaches and prep coaches out there who are running people's bodies into the ground. So the convergence of all these things, and it doesn't have to include all three, but I've seen all of these contribute to disordered eating, eating disorders, binge eating, anorexia, orthorexia, and ultimately it contributes to a lot of what I see, which is depression, anxiety, autoimmune disease, PCOS. Um, and I, you know, everyone's got their own unique path in their own history, which is what I just mentioned before. And so those are just some of the different examples of what can happen, but that's, that's really the bigger picture and what I see with women and why they can't detach from macros. Mm, Yeah. I like how you said that some people can just switch off that Mm -hmm. macro switch and other people have a really difficult time with it. So for those women that are listening and they're like, okay, yeah, that's totally me. I really want to stop counting macros or thinking about food all the time. What would you say to those women or what are kind of like the beginning steps for those women that are having a really hard time flipping off that switch? Yeah. And so it's tricky because we have to start with awareness, right? We have to look at, well, what could possibly be the reason why I am so fixated on counting macros or dieting or doing competition? You know, this is going to sting for a lot of people, but my belief also is that a lot of people that are doing competitions out there are doing it for reasons that are not their own and are still wounded children. And that's just a way of saying that maybe we're doing it because we want to get attention and acknowledgement and approval because we didn't get it as a child. And that's all very real stuff. And it's, it sucks and that will suck for some people if they are unaware of that, right? It's the people that get offended by that, that are probably suffering with those things and they don't have awareness of it. So I'm not here to offend anybody. It's not my goal. It's just to help you see the truth of the matter that, well, a potential truth, actually, that's what I meant. So the first step here is to gain awareness of these old wounds that we might have. And that's a matter of just looking retrospectively, how did I come to be this way? Ask that question. How did I get to this point? And, you know, the one thing I always say is that it's the truth that liberates, not the effort to be free. So if we're always trying to be mindful leaders and um, deleting my fitness pal, and we're still thinking of it in our head and counting macros in our head, I've done it. So, you know, that's still disordered eating, by the way. I don't, I don't care if it's in your phone or not. If it's still in your head, you still got a problem. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we need to look at what got us here. And maybe we have unmet needs and we have 
wounds I need healing. And so that's the first step, right? And then the second part of this is really being with what we find and accepting where we are, having, you know, embracing this with new intentions, having a different relationship with it, right? Finding the meaning and the opportunity with our, our pain. Um, you know, pain is your teacher, illness is your opportunity, right? So it's about seeing the, the, the greater picture of this and how we can transform pain into a journey of healing and awakening, right? We, you know, what we can do here is we can do two things, right? We can, um, we can look at wounds and pain and we can have a different relationship with it. We can respond to it differently, or we can allow ourselves to get caught in a conditioned cycle of resistance and avoidance and denial, which we do, right? When we have things we don't want to heal that just actually promotes a vicious cycle of uh, pain and suffering, a self-perpetuating cycle of pain and suffering, essentially. So that's why, you know, it's actually in your favor and it's much easier said than done, of course, you know, to face these wounds and step into the shadows and, and look at this because you can suffer for a brief amount of time doing that, but you suffer for an, an eternity by avoiding and denying it. Right. So after we do that and we can learn how to be with things, right. It's, it's a lot of mindfulness type stuff. Then we have the opportunity and um, the ability to become our next best self. Right. And these are all, this is basically a, a summary of the book and, and kind of what I'm showing here and becoming the, the newest, best version of yourself, putting in action, um, giving what you want to yourself, giving what you want to others. That's really what we find is most helpful when we're trying to heal our own wounds. Because I mean, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do is, or one of the most powerful things you can do is to give what you want to others. And so, um, you know, that, that was really relevant for me uh, with my own sort of traumas. And, and honestly, my whole point here with that, when I say that is you don't have to be abused or have neglect or anything like that to have trauma. It's all relative to you, right? The, the experience that you go through is not the issue. It has everything to do with your response and reaction to it. That makes the trauma a problem. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And I was definitely one of those people in the past that was like constantly downloading and deleting my fitness pal or whatever calorie tracker. And I know you and I were talking about this before I hit record and it was about like influencers on social media. And I feel like they tend not all of them, but there is this like normalization of using calorie counting apps. And it like really messes with so many women because we are almost told that it is normal when it really isn't. And we create this very vicious, vicious cycle and such like a strong relationship to it, which is why so many of us have such a hard time letting go of it. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it just kind of pains me when I see that it's just so normalized on social media. It's kind of like, yeah. And it's, it's not much different than anxiety and depression. It's not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got it these days, right? It seems. But why is that? We don't really try to, we don't really try to discover that and, and uncover that. We mm -hmm. think we know the answer, but we kind of don't. Mm -hmm. We did. We still, I think, you know. For sure. Black yeah. So I'm a huge believer that 
in order for you to help other people, you have to do the work yourself. So obviously you've done so much personal work. And I know at the beginning you mentioned that the reason why you're helping women with autoimmune disease is because you were able to help your mom, which is amazing. But what about the work that you did for yourself? Was that like before, after, how does that fit into your story? Yeah. And I'll I'll be really transparent about this. And my mom is definitely um, a huge, was a huge impetus for me to do the autoimmune stuff, but the, the trauma stuff kind of fell in my lap because I just kept seeing it and I couldn't ignore it. You know, it's just, I could see that it matters because we know the mind body are connected and we're just completely in the dark and clueless. And we think that that's not the case. It's psychoneuroimmunology. It's in the literature. You know, we have evidence for this stuff. So the, the mind and body are not connected and you know, that those emotional blocks will leave an imprint. And, um, you know, the, these are literally like the symptoms we experience when we have illness. It's like there's, they are somatic inscriptions of life experience, AKA trauma that's on the body, you know? So that's why it's so important. And so for me, the reason why I, you know, was so interested in doing this and I, I had to make this part of my, my career was because honestly, throughout my twenties, I'm 32. Right. And so I spent a lot of time, um, being around women and dating women who had their own trauma and abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, abandonment, eating disorders, everything. Right. And I couldn't, you know, I think when you're in a relationship, you want to help them as best you can. Right. And I didn't know how, and I really, really tried. That's, that's kind of part of my DNA. It's always trying to help people. Right. That's why I'm so, that's why I'm still here doing this. Um, but it wasn't my job. It's not my job. Right. And so at the time I didn't know that, but now I know. So the whole reason why I, I'm so passionate about doing this with women is because my way of getting what I want is giving them what they need. Meaning my, if I can help clients deal or heal their own wounds, then they don't have to suffer. They don't have to be caught in this mess where they don't know why they can't heal this and get out of this or why they're is unable to them or they don't feel the, the damage from this as well, you know? So I find solace and comfort and healing by doing that for others because I couldn't do it for the people I was with in my 20s. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're doing such amazing work. So I see all of the testimonials from the women rolling in that are working with you. But I'm curious. So it's not easy work going into the past and healing those deep wounds and trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we hit those like blocks in our healing journey, what are some things that you offer to your clients that really helps them work through the tough moments? Yeah, exactly. So that's a great question. And it's going to sound like a no brainer when I, when I tell you this, but it does, it does work. But, you know, we think about PTSD, for example, right. Um, it's not much different. And really we're all experiencing that when we go through, when we go through trauma, it's really PTS. It's not a disorder, I think. And I think it's a misnomer because it's like, it implies that you have a, you know, a situation that's not normal, but really it's part of the human condition. I think what we go through. Um, and, and so my, my point here is that mindfulness is the center of the solar system, of the healing solar system, right? If you imagine the sun in the middle of the solar system, it's literally that. And so we need to embrace that. And when we do that, right, we can get to a place of stillness and tranquility, and we can look at things differently. And my whole, the whole idea is to look at, you know, one, one thing I would say is the way, 
we change the way you look at and view something, what you look at and view with changes, but right? you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. So, mm-hmm. right. That's what yeah. I said. So yeah. that's why you can't, if you're trying to heal pain and wounds and anxiety and depression, you can't do it with the same mentality you had getting into that. Right. Which is being a victim and complaining and, and talking about it in Facebook groups and bitching to other people about it and whatever we do, you know, or ignoring it and denying it. Right. So, um, you know, our suffering really comes from attachment to things and from avoidance. And so we have to look at it differently, be with it differently. And that involves bringing in new intentions, right? Um, being non-judgmental, right? Um, giving compassion to it, being non-striving, trusting the process, um, you know, acceptance, those sort of things. And learning to be with what arises, right? Like I said before, it's the truth that liberates. Um, serenity is not freedom from the storm, it's peace amidst the storm. So you, when we, you know, earn the eye of the hurricane, right? That's where things are quiet actually, right? So imagine that in your tornado or hurricane of emotions and pains and wounds. Um, you will find peace when you are immersed into it, not when you try to escape it. So it's all a matter of being with what arises and trying to sit with it and look at it and be like, okay, I see you, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, like understand why you're here and what you can tell me. What's the meaning message here? You know, that's literally the foundation for it all because you can't, you know, I I think that EMDR, QNRT, hypnotherapy, tapping EFT, those are all great things. But the one thing that they do that um, we're missing, I'm sorry. The one thing that they don't do is integrate your consciousness and awareness. Because all that really does, and it works to a degree, I've had clients who use it and some that don't get benefit from it. Um, but the issue is that it, it implies fix me, like I'm going to fix you with this, right? Come fix me, do EMDR on me, um, which is, yeah, that's that's okay. That's it's cool too, but we also need to have conscious awareness of it. Yes. Right? Me yes. Both. It's not a matter of either or, it's, it's a matter of how can we integrate both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the element that I'm bringing to the party with our clients because they might do those things. A lot of us, actually, a lot of my clients don't do those things and I find that they don't need it. They, they really get, they make huge strides. It takes time, of course, and patience, but if you trust the process, like you will see a transformation, but that, that's what I, what I find and really what I focus on the most. So I'm rambling, but I hope that, you know, it makes sense. Rambles are good. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, that was awesome. And I'm just like sitting over here nodding my head like crazy because I couldn't agree more. I think consciousness is a missing element to so many people's healing journeys. So I know that out of a lot of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but many of the women that you work with are missing their periods for one reason or another. And I know I shared this with you, but I went years without having my period and I recently got it back. So it's been kind of like a hot topic over here on the podcast. So I thought it would be really great to chat with you about this, as I know so many women listening to the show are currently struggling with this. And for me to overcome this, I had to do a lot of consciousness work and healing those old wounds of my own. And that's what I saw in my life. But I was curious if you see like a common theme with amongst the women that you work with, with hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah. Um, 
it definitely has, I mean, stress is probably the obvious answer to this as to what's causing it. Right. Okay. What does that actually look like? What's actually causing what's, you know, what is stressful for them that's causing this disruption in their, their hormones. Um, you know, I think in my early, earlier in my career, it was a lot of just, okay, yeah, they're dieting like really hard. And for a long period of time doing a, doing a show or something, um, they have a really dumbass coach, they have a, you know, whatever they have a really bad coach and they, um, are just under a lot of stress from, from diet, from physically and mentally, right. In the acute daily life. Um, and so like healing the, and, and changing, you know, behaviors and getting out of the dieting mindset is definitely the obvious clue there on what to do. Um, and, and you know, and then obviously healing the broken weak links in the chain and as far as the body goes with the gut health and all that nutrient deficiencies and so forth. But then I realized hey, that, yeah, there's a lot of this past stuff that we're missing and sweeping under the rug. Um, so now that's where I look first and foremost, really. Um, because you can do everything right from, you know, a, you know, I, I would say like an acute or um, what can we do in the, in the present moment with changing our exercise and increasing our calories and eating more carbs, and, you know, sleeping better and, you know, walking more not, you know, trying to do CrossFit every day. If we, we can do all those things, but if we're still stuck in the past and we're having a low grade anxiety and depression or stress going on inside and it's, it's manifesting our behaviors, which we can see, right. We have these compul ritualized compul compulsive comfort seeking habits. You know, we're just like OCD type a, and we're hyper vigilant, hyper aroused, and we're, we're stuck on food and still obsessing about it. And maybe that maybe it's alcohol and promiscuity and materialism, whatever the whole nine yards, I guess, then we're never, I mean, then we're going to be stuck and it might explain exactly why we're still not getting our period back. So, you know, I think for me, I'm biased towards the stress being the, the Achilles heel for this. I, I think for sure that there are other issues that could be contributing to, you know, this problem, obviously low body fat, but, um, cause estrogen is de uh, deficient, but that again, that relates to the past. So I think it all kind of funnels back down to the same root issues. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to highlight the fact and maybe you can elaborate on this, but like the mental stress happening within our minds about like what food we're eating or the fact that we're not exercising as much anymore. All of that mental stress, even if we're doing like the daily actions towards getting our periods back, even though we're doing those daily actions, the mindset stress can be exactly what is preventing us from actually recovering from HA? No, I think it's absolutely the most, the number one most important factor. No hands down, because I, I've just seen so much of this over the years. And, um, you know, I have clients, I've had clients who would tell me that they went to see a coach and they got, you know, they reversed their, uh, reversed their calories and up their macros and they're on this botanical and this fancy supplement, whatever. Um, and they only get so far. It's like they make a few steps forward, but they regress and they take steps backwards. And it's because of everything, I think, retrospectively, that's being missed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I did post on Instagram to grab a question or questions. And we did get one question roll in for you. And that was how husbands and boyfriends or partners can support their partners when they are going through recovery to regain their periods because it is like such a journey right 
Hmm. Yeah. So they want to know what they can tell their spouses. So do. if their their male partner was right. listening to the show, what advice would you give to them on how to support their wife or their girlfriend? Yeah, that's a really good question. Great question. Um, the the challenge I see, and this is kind of extends into even autoimmunity and chronic disease, is they don't know what to do, and they feel helpless or um, honestly feel selfish and don't really care enough and don't support them. And that's the worst because they rely on them to a degree. Right. Um, you know, however, the, yeah, I mean, not only that, but like the one thing I always say is that, it, they, okay. So they also, a lot of people, I, a lot of men I've seen will also choose for their, their wife or their girlfriend, or whatever, like decide for them, like what to do. Like, you're not going to invest in this. Like, you're not going to get help. Like we don't care or I don't care enough to do it or we can't afford it or whatever. And it's like, the same thing I always say is, um, you know, if you allow other people to make decisions for you, well, you're never going to get well. And that's something you need to get the hell out of. I mean, honestly, like there are people that I've worked with who have shitty marriages and, um, or they were once in a, in a terrible marriage. And if you don't, if you can't support yourself and, you know, be able to be free and do what you want, that's a problem, right? Um, and, and this is a whole, a lot of like codependency and, and things like that. Like, why do we care so much? Why are we still in this toxic relationship? Um, so that's the thing. I mean, it's, you got to find, you know, the boundaries and be like, okay, well, I can, ex- I can tolerate this. If you don't want to support me with this, I mean, and you want to let me do what I want, fine, cool. I mean, I, I still think it's pretty awful, but um, there's a lot, fine line though, where if you, if you cross that and you're literally being shut down and you're like a prisoner and you're isolated and can't do anything and you got your hands tied behind your back, that's, that's a real serious issue, right? So um, what I can say, what I would say to men is like, literally stop being an asshole, like stop, put your ego aside and literally start caring and giving a shit, you know, because we, it's just a, a, a problem that men have in general, you know, it's, it's really, it's pretty awful, I think, you know? Um, so we have to start supporting women and that's, I mean, I think it's just very hard. Um, and I think a lot of men too definitely do, do care, but they don't know how. And honestly, here, here's actually the takeaway with this, right? How you be and who you are is just as important, if not more than what you do and what you know. So if you can just sit and shut the fuck up and like, just listen, be empathetic, right? Cognitive empathy, you know, emotional empathy, um, that cognitive listening, essentially, like that's more powerful than anything. That's like the, the best tool that we can have as men because we don't need to figure it out for them. We're not, our job, like I said before, is not to do that. You know, we can support them, but you don't want to be like, you need to do this, 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 this. And like you share your opinion, ask, honestly, are you open to feedback? Are you open to hearing my opinion? Right. You ask permission first, right? Then you can say what you want if allowed. But the worst thing you could possibly do as a male is to start dishing out advice and, you know, unsolicited um, information and things like that.
Yeah. 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 It's, it's a tough question. Um, and so if they're having like body dysmorphia, you're asking, right. Having, like their own, like kind of, uh, you know, pity party for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it, honestly, it just goes back to the same sort of thing where I hear you, I'm, I'm listening, I'm, I'm there to support you and like just being pretty neutral about it, right? I think, because here's the thing, I think we can be like, no, like you're beautiful, like you're, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then it comes off fake and the women will see that. And, you know, I know that because I've done that, right? We think it's, it's going to be helpful, but really it, it can just be like perceived as, you know, forced and contrived and we don't want that. So I think you can, and that's something you have to kind of tease out on your own and, and explore and, and kind of see how, how, the, how the reaction is, I think. And it's not to say you shouldn't do that. You should, I think. But if you overdo it, then it's like, okay, you know, it's not helpful either. Right. And in my opinion, that's kind of like still bringing it back to like body stuff. And so many of these girls that are working through HA, getting their periods back, they're so fixated on how their body looks anyways, Mm -hmm. that in my experience and even working with clients and things like that, I feel like the less we just talk about or focus on our body, the better, because We're going through this healing journey and the way I saw it was kind of like, however my body is going to look like that's how my body's supposed to look once I get healthy, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's just bringing a new awareness, new intention to it and learning to be with what is. doesn't mean permanent, right? But it's learning to just accept what, with 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 the hand of cards we're dealt with. And that holds true with anything in life, you know, poor financial issue or job loss or you know, uh, severed relationship, whatever that is. Like you have to just, shit's going to happen in life. You have to learn how to be with it and accept it. And that just takes practice. It's all practice. It's all, you know, neuroplasticity and that sort of stuff and mindfulness and like learning how to change your response to things. And that happens automatically over time when you learn how to just learn how to be still and be with it. You know, that's why meditation is so beneficial because it helps you flex that muscle so that you have time and space and you can reflect and not react. You know, and once we get that better, then the the whole obsession with body image, I think it's easier. But then again, you still have to look and see why we're so fixated on our body image in the first place, which might be the clues might be in the past, right? So it's not 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 it's not either or. It's ha- it's both, right? Definitely, clues are always in the past for sure. So for all the ladies that are listening right now, and they're like, oh my gosh. I need to work with him or get my hands on his book. Can you fill us in on how to do all those things? How to, well, you're on Instagram, obviously, but fill us in. How can we grab your book or how do we even work with you? Yeah. So two things. Uh, Instagram is just Justin Janoska, J-A-N-O-S-K-A. That's where I post a lot of Stuff like this, a lot of mind body medicine stuff because that's what I focus on. Um, and obviously, women's health. Um, so, and actually, in my bio, there's a link to a lot of like free things and trainings on all like all this stuff and even reproductive issues and autoimmunity. So, you can find that if you're interested in that. Um, otherwise, um, the website is theautoimmunerevolution.com, and that's where you can find pretty much what we offer and what we do, which is 
on autoimmune, autoimmune disease and PCOS and reproductive disorders. Um, and even out, things outside of that, like, like eating disorders as well, which I do, but just for um, a, small, <laughs> a small amount of women. So anyway, that's, that's pretty much it. And then the book is The Flexible Dieting Disaster. Search for it on Amazon. You can get that um, right, right away. And uh, that's it. That's it. Well, I have one more question for you that I ask all my guests. Yeah. Okay. okay. And that's what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Yeah. I mean, it might be a cliche answer, but it's honestly like getting your ass up and fighting through things and the adversity when you don't want to do it. Right. We all have moments like that, but it's like, you know, the strength and the persistence and the, the resilience that we want that we keep saying we want you know, comes from just pushing through things. And that's a lot of just like getting out of a comfort zone, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing to do, right? We want certainty. We want um, comfort and just being <laughs> in a place that's safe and and uh, kind of known, right? But the unknown is where all the magic happens and transformation lies. So, um, you know, that to me is what unbreakable is. It's simply just, you know, showing up when you don't want it. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom with us. It was awesome. Cool. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.